What is up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? My name is Jade, and this is the Here Is What We Know podcast, episode 10, the most provisionally approved podcast on the internet. I'm joined today by my good friend, Simon Anderson. Simon, how are you going? Good afternoon, Jade and Hannah. Lovely to be here, as always. Good to see you both well, and... um... We've got plenty to talk about today, something close to our hearts, so I am uh, ready to get stuck in uh, when you are. Did you know that we were the most professionally approved show on the internet? Professionally approved? Provisionally approved. Oh, right. I think we have the most emergency (laughs) authorization out of any um, podcast. On the internet. Yeah. (laughs) Hannah, how are you going? I'm fabulous, thanks. Um, things are really good, and I think it's it's been an interesting couple of days. So, I'd really love to know um, Simon's thoughts and your thoughts, and get into it. A lot of announcements, um, major announcements that actually uh, considerably transformed the social services sector here in New Zealand. There are lots to talk about. Apparently, we're getting a new ministry. Apparently, we're getting some new accessibility uh, legislation. Apparently, we're getting a accessibility governance board, which has never featured in New Zealand ever. Those are the top-line exciting things that we're going to be talking about today. But also, also, we have a special guest this evening, uh, Warren Forster, um, the accessibility legislation, there's a lot to work through in your mind about what does the announcement actually mean in terms of that. Warren Forster actually helped write one of the, um, one of the reports that informed the design of the accessibility legislation. So we are absolutely thrilled to have him feature on the show this afternoon. Um, but before that, like every show we do, it's the question of the day. Simon, Hannah, are you ready? Oh, yeah. So, the question of the day today is, what is a man? <laughs> what is a man? Now, Simon, do you, do you want a minute to percolate on this one? Or should I hand over to Hannah, or are you good to go? No, I'm good to go. I'm good to go, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is a man? A great question, as always. Uh, there's, 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 um, there's literal and metaphorical, or, or tangible and intangible is probably a better way to describe it, in terms of what a man is. Um, tangible tangible characteristics of a man is, um, is is quite obvious because you can see it uh, in the way that they carry themselves. Uh, a man, in, in, in its um, essence, is, is somebody who is uh, quite strong-willed and uh, self, uh, self-sufficient or, you know, has a, a great drive to, to, um, to achieve on their own accord. And uh, a man is somebody who, um, who uh, you know, in in, old, in ancient times was there as the first lines of defence for a village, and um, 
even though the battle lines aren't as clear as any more, I still think that role is quite important in society. I think um, I think a man is somebody who has uh, time to think about themselves, their family, and then the greater group, the tribe, the country, the world, um, and to, to factor in the success and growth of all of those groups and their actions. Um, yeah, and I think I think a man is somebody who, um, I, is is yeah. I mean, I don't want to like get too patronizing in terms of being the protector, but it's it's just such a key role. It's kept us alive and and thriving to the point where we are now. Like the amount of the amount of people and races that wouldn't have existed today had it not been for the strong men to keep them going forward um and I, yeah i just think it's very easy to to point out what a man is not um i think rather than to to highlight what a man is but um i think everybody has like a deep down kind of subconscious understanding of when somebody says to them to be a man or now that's a real man mm. you can either quite easily see and agree or um or disagree Thanks so much, Simon. And if, if I'm honest, I'm really interested to hear a woman's view on this question. Uh, Hannah. I was going to let you go first because I often go before you. But, yeah, um, sure. Yeah. I can go. I, 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 think, I think a man, uh, the, the way I would describe a man is responsibility. I, I, I think... A real man is is a person that takes responsibility, who takes ownership, who who accepts liability. Um, they are a protector. I I, I, I don't think it's patronising to call that out. I'm I'm very happy to say that. Um, and Simon, I the reason why this question came now is I was on the clubhouse and they were discussing um, whether disability affected your masculinity. And, and to my surprise, um, most of the gentlemen on the call uh, said, yeah, it did. And, and I was one of two people that said, I have no idea what you're talking about. Because <laughs> whether, <laughs> whether you are rich or poor, you are a man. Whether you have a job or not, you are a man. Whether you whether you could f defeat Conor McGregor or not, you are a man. You, you you need to believe in of yourself that you are a man. That that is your sole purpose in life, to find a way to convince yourself that you are a man. Um, and I don't know, like the, the entire call was just like, didn't necessarily agree. And there was a lot of stunned silence cause they, they were hoping that I'd fall into the tropes of, yeah, disability, uh, demasculates me or whatever. I simply don't agree. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, it's, um, it's one of those things where it's just like, I choose not to let that affect me, <laughs> you know, like it, 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 it just, it. It, it has the roots in the victim mindset and and 
finding an outside uh, force to to um to assign any of the negativity in your life to. I mean, yeah, the, regardless of of your access needs, mm-hmm. if you are a man and you feel masculine, like absolutely, it's it's totally in how you carry yourself and how you approach the world. So my thoughts are, um, you know, I I learned something the other day. Um, who Conor McGregor McGregor is, and um, it made total sense from, you know, one, I completely disagreed with it when I heard the topic, but actually any given person who doesn't have access needs probably wouldn't wouldn't be able to go up against Conor McGregor anyway and protect them, protect others, so... um, it doesn't make any difference, really, if you've got access needs. Uh, it's who you are. It's um, what you do for others. It's uh, the individual you are and how you hold yourself and uphold um, your values, I think, really shows your, the true meaning of you as a man. I, I, th- mm. I think we've alluded to this on past streams as well, Simon, though. I, th- I think... Uh, the role of the man has been dismantled and warped a little bit. Like, believe it or not, as I pose this question, I actually do believe in equality. But um, I, I think people have got messed up about what equality really means. Because I, I think there is huge value in, in the role that women play in society. absolutely let let me be like beyond clear about that this isn't about me wanting to pump up men necessarily this is this is me just saying men have a role women have a role um back in the good old days you you know the the roles were clear and the job was done and society moved forward and Mm. and from my point of view i think women have lost the perspective of what the role of a man is yeah um, truly so it has definitely warped things and truly recognizing when you do have a man in your life and there is a true individual in your life who's willing to be that man in your life now that doesn't need to be about a relationship at all it's about being that genuine man in your life to to do the role and to be the man instead of just letting that woman you just making your own choices and overruling and overstepping and not recognizing and respecting the individual mm. i think that's a good place to leave it for now if you've got any feedback uh if you agree disagree want to add a different thought and you're joining us live here tonight please feel free to jump in the chat Uh, we are live on Twitch and DLive I must remember to check the DLive (laughs) chat actually Simon uh, I've got Twitch in front of me I don't have DLive though cool 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 so you keep an eye on Twitch I'll keep an eye on DLive Um, but for now I think we just move uh, straight into the next part of the show which will be to discuss um, the disability support system uh, transformation. Simon, 
why don't we start with a few of the reactions you were on the live uh last friday how did it make you feel what what were your immediate takeaways um well as somebody who's spent a lot of time talking with you and and about what the work you've done to try and influence uh the the new transformed disability sector i had some idea of what the guiding north star is what egl was going for and and i guess um you know an idea of hopefully what was coming my way so i was a little bit prepared for um for the announcement wasn't wasn't um exactly how i imagined it was going to be um and and, and it wasn't just the the announcement of the ministry it's the other announcements around that or recommendations around that that mm. were really interesting and i think are pretty cool and um that side of things i think uh, i don't have a f a full uh concept of 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 every uh area that could that could affect but i mean it's largely positive the the thing i noticed from monitoring like the facebook chat and getting stuck into it is that for just the vast majority of the people who are watching it's a level of discussion that is just means almost nothing to me to them sorry like um you know people were just talking about so is there going to be more funding this year than last year um and then half the people were upset that they were referring to people as disabled people rather than people with disabilities when um yeah. you know it's quite clear why we use disabled people in new zealand um yeah as, as a term and one that's what most people are comfortable with so it's um yeah like just from my point of view and to kind of summarize my initial reaction to it was that yeah i think it's good progress i think it's more progress than we've had in gosh knows how many years um but it's obviously just not filtering through properly to the to the common man um the comms just aren't there i don't think and maybe it's just a symptom of how wishy-washy the actual detail is we'll, we'll soon mm. see but um you know in terms of the the information that they've been putting out it's just you know, it's not it's not created the reaction i thought it would which means they've they've not given the announcement i was expecting or they haven't communicated it properly so that people actually understand what's coming because it should be pretty impressive um, what, one thing I picked up on, and, and this is com coming from someone close to the work, as you know, Simon, um, we're just getting a little bit of feedback on your end, actually. Yeah, apologies. I am um, just <laughs> plugging in my headset as I can hear it beeping in my ears. Okay, no worries. Yeah, one, one of the things I picked up on and was reflecting on after Friday was perhaps there's more to do in the promotion of EGL. I don't know if the you promotion of what sorry promotion of egl and i think that might be what's causing some of the disconnect for for some of the people that we found on the chat the other day maybe, mm. maybe they don't entirely understand the work that's gone on underneath no. uh, i would i would say maybe like one in five disabled people <laughs> or allies might know what egl is all about yeah i, I was gonna say to follow on from what you're saying, um, there's actually a roadshow on EGL. Now that was five years ago, and probably about 30 mm -hmm. people from each town that 
each town from the 11 towns that they went to um, actually went to it. So one, that was five years ago. Um, what's happened now to those individual and how is the conversation maintained and continued? And only 30 people from each town, um, you know, was half people... Half, Half those people could have been working in the sector, so um, I think it's completely right, Jade. I think it's about one we definitely need to we need to reinvigorate and actually educate people about about EGL and get people excited again. And um, because I noticed one, I thought, yay, great. That was my initial reaction, but. I actually said to Jade, okay, so time for you to go go to work now. It's <laughs> only just beginning. Mm-hmm. And and I was thinking, um, you know, we're not really getting the message the message isn't the message isn't really getting across. And maybe some people who did get a little bit angry from some of the things the simple things that were happening, they're just not um, following along or not trying to get get their point across um, to the community because I noticed that you know the minister kept on saying oh the EGL approach the EGL approach now one I'm not dis- dismissing the EGL approach I did at- see that in the chat actually Simon there were a bunch of people I remember this there were a bunch of people saying what is EGL that, that was a bit of a worry, eh? So, um, she mentioned it so many times yeah. and it hadn't been actually explained what EGL is. And I know personally from where I sit with my work that um, the EGL website hasn't, hasn't had comms and was not provided comms to put up prior to educate people and get people excited. Yeah, so a, a bit to do in, in terms of the communication of EGL, definitely. But but yeah. I, but I think but I think if I if I was to say anything, my my original reaction is yeah, I'm a little bit closer uh, to the process, so so I had a little bit of insight here. I, I think people should should really. Uh, be excited for the fact that you're going to have a dedicated ministry um, wh- which will have its own uh, chief executive um, awesome autistic thank you for joining the chat Hey. CCS did a road show this year about EGL in Wellington the heart and Porirua actually that's a good point yeah, I wasn't too sure of the situation of that. Did it actually happen? So, yeah. there's no one from NEGL yeah. was, with was the, on there. With the lockdown and stuff, yeah, yeah. I know what you say. Also, autistic, the computer is telling me you're a first-time chatter, so welcome to the show. We are stoked to have you here. Yeah, I forgot about those roadshows, Simon. You re- you remember those, right, CCS? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I... <laughs> I didn't think I, I don't think I went to them, but I saw them advertised. <laughs> I don't know. Well, CCS don't really operate up here where I am. Um, yeah, I know. Like people, through my own work, we do we do try and talk about it a little bit, but um, 
that there is just not a very good coverage in terms of understanding mm. and, and knowledge on those principles. So, so I just wanted to come to the four priorities. I'll refer you back to our Discord, mm. uh, Simon. Of the of those four, which which will you say um, will have the most impact in the shortest amount of time? Well, what what is your what is your most interesting? I think what I'm asking you is wh mm. which of the four is your most interesting of the announcements? Yeah. It depends which one comes first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, we've got like a proposed date of when it should be stood up, which is July next year. So it seems like the ministry itself is going to be put on the skates to get set up, like six months. Like, let's be honest, how much work is going to go into it before Christmas? Um, maybe you know, a sitting lot. <laughs> on, on the well, yeah, maybe, depends. But I mean, you know, we're sitting here last day of October. Um, and my faith in government hasn't shown uh, for them to move at lightning quick speeds in the past. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But that seems to, I mean, the ministry is the one that I have the best sort of understanding around. Um, the legislation, like the accessibility legislation is, is super promising. Um, you know, we've talked about what is what has been in place in uh, um in the states for mm -hmm. some time you know mm -hmm. and the fact that you can shut a business down if they meet if they don't meet standards you can hand out fines like that kind of stuff would just i mean there's i'm sure we could go a little bit further and um and instead of just be so punitive but mm -hmm. there's got to be ways that we can structure some super cool um accessibility legislation that just makes the world we we um we live in more accessible for everyone like when i shared the um the live stream on my personal facebook page you know i said um you either are know somebody or are going to be disabled at some point in your life so you might as well understand what it's going to look like so, I, I mean, saw that i was stoked mm. for your post there simon can i thank you <laughs> for that yeah of yeah. course yeah no i mean i just thought that's probably going to be the most simplest way for people if they ever read it to 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 get it into their heads that they should care about it you know you either are disabled know somebody or you're going to end up disabled it's the fact of life um awesome autistic in the chat says they didn't talk about the f how the funding side works though so you're absolutely right awesome autistic to pick up on the fact that uh no announcements have been made about how the funding will transform however as part of the four key announcements that the government made, let me go back to my notes here so I can say exactly what they said. Um, they have agreed to implement the Enabling Good Lives approach to disability support services on a national scale. And that will coincide with the standing up of the Ministry for Disabled People. Uh, call me bias. Um, in terms of EGL, but I I think disabled people across the country should be really excited for um, the, the framework for input and leadership that Enabling Good Lives is going to provide. A lot of people, uh, and, and I'm not really sure why this is, but a lot of people think about Enabling Good Lives as a funding line. It's much, much more than that. 
and if you wanted a bit of detail because it's not really the goal of this show to talk about enabling good lives we could do that one day but i'd encourage you to go to enablinggoodlives.co.nz uh you might even find a fresh release um from yours truly in the news and events section uh awesome autistic says however will people get dss who don't get it at present i love egl but it currently excludes me and other autistics um i i think i think simon and i were gonna comment a little bit on the recommendations of the cabinet paper today we're not experts by any means and you you should get your own advice about what we say on the show it's it's not means it's formal advice um but i i think i read in the paper simon sorry about my robot it's a bit more frequent than i wanted it um i think the settings say that the current people um on DSS will be eligible for funding under the new ministry and the current people that that have uh, they will stay with the NASC for the time being that's what I saw in the paper and those that have personal budgets I'm assuming can I just say that out loud I'm assuming the people in Manawhaikaha and the Waikato will keep the flexibility and their budgets as they move to the new ministry is hmm. that your reading simon this is I'm not just looking this is not yeah, advice yeah i'm, I'm looking i mean I, I went from the uh um went from the announcement the recommendation and it says that they've agreed to um the 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 phased approach or phased rollout of the enabling good life system and so they've given the appendix of it which is appendix five so i've kind of just gone deep into that yeah, and it talks about you know a new person-directed commissioning and funding approach uh, to enable the move to personalised funding and support services. I mean that sounds like personalised budgets and and um, and you know that that uh, that uh, design the funding you need for the life you want to live, not the stuff you can't do by yourself. You know, yeah. which is the deficit model we live in now. Yeah. Um, so, can I answer that question? The... You can import, but it's not advice, by the way. Yeah, no, it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely no, so, my, I'm answering which, which am I most excited about. Okay, about oh, yeah. Um, so, for me, I, my, would, for me, it would definitely be the rollout of EGL system transformation. Um, I'm going to disclose to you too, awesome autistic. Love to know what yours would be. Um, I'm not actually eligible for uh, EGL um, because I have epilepsy and that's not covered. Um, well, you also live in Auckland and Auckland has... A, with the well, rollout, yeah, the whole of New yeah. Zealand will get it though. And that's what we're talking about. So, and what I'm trying to say is um, I think it's one of those wait and see things for those who aren't covered under dss currently it's going to be a wait and see and i think um more things will be added and it will be interesting to see because i know autism's a, autism's a a funny one when, when it comes to dss but it's the the extra things that i really like about 
what AGL has mm. been able to do for the current de- demonstration sites, building community development and capacity and leadership. Um, love the principles, love the approach. And then I guess my next thing would be definitely an accessibility legislation. I'm really excited about that. Mm. And I'll, I won't say too much about it because we have Warren's interview coming up, but there there are some key features in there that, that I'd be really excited about. Simon, just while you've got the appendix up, can you speak oh. to it a little bit? Because um, I'm not sure that I've been able to see... Um, the the final version that that was agreed uh the phased roadmap please if you you could speak to the top line so i'm not asking you to read out the whole thing Mm. Mm. establish implement and refine a partnership approach grounded in tetriti or waitangi to ensure that community voices are embedded in the design planning and implementation of all activities in the plan Mm. i mean I was at, um, I was just actually looking at this other appendice, which is the evaluation of the current EGL um, programs uh, to inform the rollout, and which I think has some pretty good comments and easy to kind of yeah. um, digest. But it says, you know, based on the evaluation, the Ministry of Health has identified a number of critical features for transforming the system nationally, and I think this is really cool. So they're talking about the point of entry in that um, the, the ability to connect with a wide range of cross-government services um, and engage with the system uh, uh, you know, successfully. Now, the role of connectors or somebody within the community who is able to be the person to go in between the services and to, to ensure people know exactly what's out there um, rather than just being told what's best for them. Early intervention, which is an EGL principle straight up, mm. you know, begin early. Yep. Personal budgets, the same thing. So, yeah, they say here, the ability to easily assess personal budgets and align with good life plans, pooled funding from cross-governments to allow flexibility, capability of the system to support people so that they are equipped to manage their budgets. So that kind of stuff there is pretty um, uplifting, you know, if they can commit to putting that into place. Yeah, amazing. Um, and they talk about the management structure, uh, structure, uh, disabled people and whānau leadership, which is, you know, um, nothing about us without us, another uh, EGL concept, um, robust safeguarding arrangements. Um, some people, it says, disabled people want to experience the dignity of risk to face and manage the same level of risk as other people. They want to recognise, identify and report neglect or abuse, be able to effectively safeguard themselves. I mean, gosh. I can't imagine how many people are in New Zealand at the moment who, whose um, you know, level of risk is deciding whether they want to go outside and play on the playground or stay inside and watch TV. Like that's their level of risk assessment, rather than oh, actually, I'd rather you know use my funding to try and start up a business, and if I fail, then fuck it, you know. Yeah, yeah. that 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 um that, that sort of um, exposing people to the everyday risk of life is um, super, super important, I think, um, in terms of, well, another EGL principle of mana enhancing. Um, Could, yeah. like, not to put you on the spot, Simon, but I, I think the people at home would be, like, kind of interested in this as well. Could you ever imagine being limited from your choices day to day? 
I mean, I've had the only experience I can draw on from part of like my life experiences from through, you know, like se severe physical injury. I've, I've, you know, destroyed this arm and broke. So I was, you know, I've lost access with the limb and I've, um, I've blew out my knee, which, you know, meant I could barely walk or, um, and couldn't walk without crutches for a few weeks. Um, you know, so I've had my, um, independence and physical ability, um, diminished temporarily that's kind of given me an insight as to like oh man you know these are the sort of things you take for granted that yeah um some people rely on you know hours of support from another human being to complete those activities so like i can try i can really try to imagine but i just know i wouldn't come close to the real yeah. human experience and i and i just resigned to know that i'll never never fully understand it so um it's just important to keep that in mind when working in the, the space to not overrule or overwrite somebody with true experience um awesome autistic says i hear that non-disabled organizations are working out how to set up disability arms of their current organizations <laughs> for, for example taikora trust that I is have heard, very I have heard interesting the same thing yeah i've heard the same thing what have you heard simon let me in Oh, well, I mean, that, that organization that I've mentioned, I've heard conversations <laughs> that, um, you know, they're looking into, uh, uh, well, I know, like, they're, they're trying to look into other things within disability, but they are just trying to diversify their income to, to stay alive, to exist and provide some benefit, you know, like um, selling equipment or whatever. Um, they'll, yeah, I'm assuming places like Taikota Trust and other NASCs will be trying to transition into service provision rather than, um, well, not provision. Well, is that the right word for, you know, to become a service provider? They're going to provide service rather than provision it, actually. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, there, there was the merger between Imagine Better and Accessibility as well. There, there mm -hmm. was huge news for, for, yeah. any, for anyone close to the sector um yeah it, actually the cabinet paper refers to service commission and life unlimited oh sorry what did i say you no, you said um imagine better and accessibility oh yeah and life unlimited of course. and life unlimited so it's like five minutes <laughs> yeah 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 and, and awesome autistic is absolutely right the cabinet paper does refer uh to a new service commissioning model which will be really exciting and I, I think is going to actually provide for a market shaping like we've never seen here in New Zealand. I think disabled people and whanau uh, should be very excited. Because one thing I was going to say is uh, one thing that piqued my interest but I haven't been able to read through the cabinet paper so you guys may be able to tell me differently. Um... The minister alluded to that the Ministry um, for Disabled People. Or whatever it's going to be. Or whatever it's going to be. Uh, she alluded to <coughs> that it's going to be a lot easier for people to navigate the disability system. Centralised supports. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's, 
it's about just not knowing what kind of support you can access and can't access and um and i think that's been a big thing in part from my understanding why some families decide to just disengage and not yeah um continue trying to get support or have support and then that's going to be a struggle and then i think it's because of the social commissioning models um it's going to be interesting to see what kind of opportunities that will open up to yeah i i hope i'm i hope i'm not speaking out of turn but i think the appendices do speak for the need for um dedicated approaches for Pacifica Māori, Simon? Is that there? Well, I mean, at the very start, it talks yep. about you know, approach centred in Tiriti or Waitangi, so that's the Māori yep. space okay, covered good. already, but um, yeah, I would assume, I didn't see a specific Pacifica mentioned, but that was just through a light skimming, but I would assume, yeah, either they've broadened it to minorities or, you know, um, um, yeah, at least ethnic minorities. The BIM Lounge with the 100 biddies. Oh, wow. BIM, BIM Lounge, thanks so much for being in the chat. I've been hanging out with BIM Lounge uh, a little bit in my spare time. BIM Lounge is a new streamer here on Twitch. He likes to develop games. Oh, the guy you told me about. Yeah. Hi, BIM Lounge. Lovely to see you. So he's, he's someone I've been spending time yeah. with because I have an interest in uh, development and I've been thinking about you know gamification and that how that could add value to some of my work so i'm always working is the upshot of that sentence uh, <laughs> but, uh, but thank you bim lounge so much for the 100 biddies really appreciate it <laughs> even when you're having fun you're, you're thinking how can i be making the most of this yeah he is now number one on the uh what the since we didn't get a chance to do it last week. <laughs> oh man, thanks so much for that, man. That that's so awesome. Happy Simon, birthday, that, late present. That is major, Simon. Thank you, si Simon. Just gifted a sub to Bim Lounge. Aww. I was almost like wiping my eyes, making sure I was reading the correct inf <laughs> information, but um. Guys, I'm, I'm going to put a pause right here because uh, we do have a special guest this evening on the show, as promised on Facebook. We have an interview with Warren Forster. Warren is a barrister and researcher who helped inform the accessibility legislation proposal. I want to allow people time to hear from warren simon and i are going to be in the chat this is the first time we've done a pre-recorded interview so we'll still be here uh we'll be in the chat and then we'll come back a bit later and give some final thoughts is that okay by you simon or you want to say yeah something happy first? yeah no i mean yeah congrats to the newest subscriber welcome bim lounge yeah awesome um, but um no i'm I, i'm really keen to um to, to get into this interview all right I've heard good things so a little bit a little preface on this if i seem nervous i really was so piss off <laughs> and, and with that we'll, we'll head on over to the interview 
it's a great one a lot of really valuable information from a really super intelligent man so ladies and gentlemen enjoy the interview and we'll be back right after this we are so excited to have with us this afternoon our researcher and barrister warren forster warren thank you so much for joining us here this afternoon uh, thank you for having me um warren off the back of last friday's announcement you must be absolutely ecstatic tell us how you're feeling about the announcements on friday well thanks jade um if you imagine there's a vision for the future which is that we can remove disabling experiences those negative experiences our people have every day across the Motu. the people who um, you know, face barriers, they can't get the support they need. It's great that, that the government has recognised that and said, here's the direction of travel, we're going to do something about it. So um, that part of it is fantastic. But like everything, um, if you spend your life experience something or your life researching something and how to actually remove these disabling experiences, these negative things that people face, this is what you want. You want something that's the best in the world that's mm. going to work for now and for generations. And we don't have that yet. We've got something down here, but it's better than where we are now. But we want to raise that to here and we want to keep it going up. And, and that's really mm. the challenge now for disabled people, for researchers, for our leaders to think, is this enough? Is this actually going to work to change the people's experiences? And if it's not, then we need to keep pushing. And that's really, um, that's how I feel. So. I've worked on something for a long time. Um, it's come to fruition. It's great to launch a research report and then a month later have the government say, hey team, we're going to turn this into legislation. That's pretty much unheard of in our space. And the reason that that's worked so well is because we've had the disabled community, we've had government, we've had policymakers, we've had everyone talking for three or four years about what it is we're trying to do. And it's great that we can do that, but you know, we're not there yet. And with the legislation that they're proposing, I don't think we're going to get there quickly. So quite quite separately from this legislation announcement was your report. And in your report, you, you had, and this wasn't just your report. I want to be very clear. You worked as part of a team on this. Tell us a bit about what recommendations you made independently of this legislation. Look, thanks, Jade. Um, and just to acknowledge Tom and Curtis, who um, spent so long working on this. Um, this work was done with the support of the Law Foundation, otherwise it wouldn't be a thing. Um, and what we did in the report is we set out a whole lot of ideas that we think are the sort of the central ideas. And that when you come time to draft legislation, they're the key things you need to define. So we have a chapter that does that. Then we talk about um, what we really need, which is a regulator. And the regulator's job, like if you imagine we've got walls already of buildings, we've got different standards that talk about this, different standards that talk about that, but those walls have no foundation, they've got no roof. There's no coordination that brings that building together and makes it work. Mm. And we say we need a regulator that sits across everything, and that's their job. So that's um, the, the first thing is that regulator. Now the government hasn't announced a regulator, um, they haven't announced that coordinating body, they say some um, chief executive of a government department should do that. And my response is, well, 
We've had chief executives of government departments for a long time. We don't need a new law and a chief executive to make this a thing. Um, so that's the first critical point that we said that, that they haven't come on board with uh, yet. The second thing is standards, and they have come on board with standards. And we, we say that we can have non-enforceable standards, which is everything we start working on collaboratively now, and we start figuring out what works, we start innovating, we set the direction, and as we need to, they become enforceable. So, so they, they then become someone's job to make them a thing. So we've got a regulator, we've got standards, and then we have what we're calling a, a notifications process. And that is how everyone with that lived experience says, here's this disabling experience I have. It's not, no one can argue with me about my experience. It's true, this is my thing. And then it's the, the regulator's job to say, how is this experience created by barriers and how can we remove it by removing those barriers? So that notifications process where all of us who experience these disabling experiences across New Zealand can come together and actually work collaboratively to remove these, that's that system of notification and identification of barriers. Then we have this feeds back into the standards development process. And the final bit, which we don't think we're going to have to use very much, is enforcement. And that is when someone actually says, hey, here's this barrier that exists. Here's an enforceable standard that is meant to remove this barrier. And you're not doing it. You, you aren't actually removing the barrier. Please do that. And like you can imagine, that might sound like a big, scary thing with cut someone coming along with a stick and saying, like, we're going to whack you until you take that barrier away. But, but that's not really the reality. As we learn about what we can do together to remove barriers, I think we're going to see most people doing it. But what they need is a bit of wall that says, hey, team, here's what we need to do. And that's why we need an enforceable standard as, a, as an end state of this process. And we think that, that by telling everyone, look, eventually you're going to have to do this, so let's get started now, sends a really strong signal to people to collaborate and actually work together to remove those barriers. So, and then you've got to process how you sort out disputes. If someone says there's a barrier here and you need to remove it, someone else says, no, there's not, or I don't need to remove it, we need a way to sort that out. So we talk about that as well. But they're the key bits of, of making the legislative model work. Um, so are you telling me the accessibility governance structure that was announced on Friday, that that's not actually part of this then? It's something different? Well, what they're saying is that we can do all these things that the research project concluded we needed to do with uh, an accessibility governance board. And I just don't think that's going to work. If you put the onus on a group of people to do all this, to get it like, yeah, to do all the research, to get all the data together, mm. like we're just going to have people on a board that are nominated by a minister and we're not going to have the infrastructure we need to design a system and make that system work. So I don't think that a governance board is actually going to cut the mustard. It's, it's one way. This is what they have in Canada and the provincial system but there's no way for people to actually connect. Yep. And it, I don't think it's the right thing to create a burden on 10 disabled people on a government's board to say, hey guys, it's your job to go and connect to everyone to tell us what we need to do. It's just, I don't think that's a thing. I have no problem with a government's board and I have no problem with the innovative co-governance model that we're working to develop. Great ideas, but unless you've got a, like, the, the health and safety system has WorkSafe. They've got hundreds of employees. Mm -hmm. Their job is to do this. Mm -hmm. 
if you just had a governance board for WorkSafe or health and safety, that's kind of what you had for ages and it didn't work. So you've got to have an infrastructure. It has to be a whole lot of people's jobs, hopefully disabled people, to actually do the mahi and then tell what the, the governance board or the minister or whatever it is, what needs to happen. And there's, in my view, anything short of that is less likely to work. And that's what we keep coming back to is, how do we design a system that actually is going to work and is actually going to remove these barriers? That's the, the core thinking behind what we do. And then how can we structure this so that it centers disabled people and their lived experience in this whole process? So if you have to say to the disabled people, you identify the barriers, you go to the governance board, you convince the governance board to deal with your barriers, and then what happens then? The governance board goes to a ministry chief executive and says, <laughs> hey, chief executive of MSD, can you like ask nicely for these barriers to be removed? Uh... Like, we can do all of that now, and it won't work. It hasn't worked. I see what and... you're saying, Warren. I've never, I've never had it laid out this way for me before so thank you thank you for framing it up that way particularly for our viewers who may not be uh so connected to the disability sector or policy in general lot lots of people that watch us wouldn't be near that stuff one question i want to put to you as a disabled person is what why are we comfortable with non-enforceable standards at first isn't it really time to kick the can down the road, so, so to speak, and get things going? So, um, <laughs> undoubtedly, yes. But what we see internationally, and I'm going to take Canada as an example, they have accessibility systems in each province. They spend two years making each standard. So over 10 oh. or 15 years, they got five standards. Tick. Got those standards in place. <sighs> I just don't think that's a thing. <laughs> now, now, what I want to do is I want to say, hey, team, let's all collaborate and say, here's like 40 different areas that we want to do a non-enforceable standard in. Let's get cracking on 40 different things. As we identify these barriers, let's start work. Let's say, here's the way we're going. Mm. And what's going to happen is we're not going to spend 10 years fighting about what technical words go into something and guessing what actually is going to be the case. Mm. What I'm saying is, let's get everyone together, identify these barriers, and let's start innovating about what works. And as we find out what works, we can then turn that into an enforceable standard. And like, so the example, best example is the web stuff, web standards. There's, there's a new web standard. Yep. Um, like it's, there's been a whole lot of them developed. If you take a web standard, and you develop it into a enforceable standard, by the time you make it an enforceable standard, it's already outdated. And this, this we see happening over and over again. And, and we don't get any standards until everyone agrees on what they should be. And everyone says, I don't know if that should be a thing. And instead, what we're saying is let's get everyone focused in the right direction. Let's start with a whole lot of non-enforceable standards. Some, some we can make enforceable tomorrow. We can like really easily say 70% of new builds need to be accessible houses. We can make that a law, away we go. We don't need anything to tell us what that is, except this has to be a thing. But having an accessible house or stock of accessible houses 
doesn't actually mean people get into and can live in these houses because there's other barriers, transportation barriers, work barriers. Like, can I afford actually to buy a house or to rent a house? Mm. So we've got to think like outside the box. And, and what we see, if, if we come back to these removing disabling experiences idea, what we see internationally is a small set of enforceable standards over a 10 or 15 year period doesn't actually cut the mustard. And that's why I'm saying we need a data system to tell us what's working. We need to be able to innovate. And as we innovate and can show, we can work with businesses that want to be proactive and, and actually start designing, delivering accessible systems. As we move along this journey, we're going to learn. People are going to be confident, yeah, it can be done. And that's going to, in my view, allow for more change more quickly and us to figure out what does work and doesn't work and turn these into enforceable standards at the time that we either need them to or they're mature enough that they then become enforceable. So that's, that's how we looked at this as researchers and it sort of came back to this question of what's more likely to be effective? How do we centre disabled people in their experience? How do we learn from this? and actually then deliver change. Amazing. Thank you, Warren. So I'm really keen to ask you, how does New Zealand compare currently with somewhere like the United States that has the Americans with Disabilities Act? Okay. I'm not an expert on the American with Disabilities Act. Oh, was that not part of your... I don't, I don't want to take you to a place oh. where you haven't been, Warren. No, no, no. Um, but, but what I'd say is some things work really well in America for disabled people and some things don't. And certainly what there isn't is there's not a system for providing social support. There's not a system for providing uh, income support. There's not a... Like, these systems don't exist the way that we can create them here. But some things, like, yeah, there can be accessible ATMs. Fantastic, that works. There's a whole lot of other things that on an individual basis uh, work, but there's no point having an ATM if you have no income and you can't do something about it. There's no point having an ATM if you can't get to the place yeah. to use your ATM. There's no point having an ATM if you can't work and so on. And like, to be honest, I don't know when the last time you used an ATM was, but I don't use ATM very often. I do it all online. And again, like not not trying to sort of you know be be too controversial here. Great idea. Had an important place in the world. Started some important work. But I don't think it's a thing that's actually going to work here in Aotearoa. And, and from that perspective, I don't think we need a, an American with Disabilities Act. I don't think we need a Canadian federal legislation model. I don't think we need. Uh, a, a model on based on any of the provincial systems because they don't center that lived experience like you've got a governance board you've got a group of people they tell the minister hey here's the things that we think you need to do something about you do your five standards tick no one then comes back and says does this actually reduce all these negative disabling experiences do we have an accessible society as a result of them that's just stuff that like yep tick done the law Great. Now what? And, and and that's the stuff which I think we need to really avoid replicating here in Aotearoa. Mm. And as we create these new systems, they will new barriers will emerge. 
and and along that line we have to have a way to say hey look here's this barrier that's coming through people are telling us that this is creating a negative experience for them here's what we can do about it and the interface between the accessibility and the disability support system needs to be really carefully thought about if, if we're not going to provide income support or retraining and help people get into jobs how do we actually address this stuff? There's something like 150,000 disabled people here in Aotearoa who want to work. Mm. Mm. But that's a massive policy failure that we don't do anything about that. Like we've got a skills shortage. We've got a shortage of people to actually do work here. Imagine mm. the impact on the economy, on people's experiences, if our system was designed to actually help people get into jobs. That's Amazing. a meaningful that they want to do. Like, and, and I tell you what, if you socialize that cost, if you say we're all going to provide income support for these people the same way we do with the ACC system, everyone will really quickly work out how to help people get into jobs because it will save money. <laughs> but, so like, but, but again, you go back to this housing system. Having an accessible house doesn't mean people can live in it. And until you start integrating and joining these dots up, how is it we're actually going to create substantive change? And that's really the question that, that drives me. And that's what we've got to look at as a society. What are we going to do? Is this going to work for our people? Or is this going to work easily within a government structure? Now, the government's really good at making things that work within a government structure. <laughs> they do that all day. It works well for them. But what we've got to come back to is, is this actually going to create the change that people need to start removing these negative disabling experiences and if the answer is yes great but what we want to see is we want to see people think about what the government is saying we'd like them to compare it with the work that we've done and make up their own minds about what they think is going to work for them because ultimately disabled people need to make these decisions about what they want and communicate that to decision makers and government and that really is what we're trying to do is to say hey look Here's a way that we think is going to work. Tell us if you want this. And ultimately, that's a decision not for me, but for everyone out there with that lived experience mm. to decide what's going to work for them. So for people at home that are still getting to grips with what's been announced, Warren, and, and if I'm honest, it sounded like you were a little bit disappointed about the announcements at the, at the front of the interview this afternoon. What would your message be to... Uh, disabled people about there out there about what the next steps for them should be. How how the how should they get involved? So, um, everyone out there who's listening, who's interested in this, this is the once in a generation opportunity to design a system that we can then use for the next twenty or thirty years to bring about change. I challenge you to engage with the government's ideas, to engage with other ideas and think about what's gonna work best for you. What are you most confident will bring about change for you now and for your children and your children's children, for your friends, for society? We're all connected here in Aotearoa and we get to decide what laws we want. And we're at the point now where we can say to our government and to our MPs, yeah, that's a good law, much better than where we were, but here's where we want to be. 
And if that's how you feel, you need to articulate that and share that thoughts with the decision makers. Because otherwise what's going to happen is over the next 12 to 18 months, we're going to see governments making decisions that work for governments, mm. not work for people. Mm. And that's not, in my view, the best way forward. So think about not just what's going to happen now, but in the future, how do you want to engage with the system? Do you want a group of people that the government appoints on the governance board to um, figure out everything for you and tell you how to fix it? Or do you want a process that centralizes you and your experience and aggregates this up and actually generates data about what these experiences mm. are so that someone can then design them away? Do you want the chief executive of a ministry of social development or somewhere, or do you want to work safe? Do you want a group of people whose job it actually is to do it? And, and, and these are the questions that you need to decide. And once you've made those decisions, you need to communicate them. And uh, I'd encourage you to talk to anyone else who's interested in this space, share your ideas, and let's work together to make the best possible law that we can that gives us confidence that this is going to work for us in the future to actually remove these barriers. I, I did have one more question on this, and then I'd like to take a few more minutes of your time to just comment on the Ministry for Disabled People. Um, coming to the component of your recommendations around uh, reporting, and I've spoken to you about this offline in the past, Warren, tell us what your... Uh, what your framework provides in the way of preventing uh, Karen reports. We're, we're really free with our language on this podcast, so we can actually refer to it as that, but I'm always worried about the the Karen test. So how, how will your reporting structure avoid some of that? Well, I have a few friends called Karen. Some of them might actually watch this, so just be careful. Um, but, uh, like, shout out to all Karens out there, by the way. <laughs> shout out to the Karens. Love your work. Um, look, the, at the end of the day, um, what we see internationally is every three years there's a review done. Um, they, do, they do it everywhere that there's a, a system in place. And the reviews generally come back and say, hey, you don't centralize the lived experience of people. Hey, how can you get all disabled people more involved in this stuff? You know, hey, how can you collect data and gather data on things? So the best example is that in Canada, when they started the system, they made everyone with more than, uh, I think, 20 employees or 20 people involved do a self-report every year about how well they're doing in meeting these new accessibility standards, um, which is great. Like somewhere in some archive in Canada, there must be like millions of reports generated by people about how great they're doing. And that's pretty much what the focus of the resource was. Now that, you know, that doesn't work. No one's actually got these dumb PDF documents and scanned them and analyzed them and seen what's happening over and over across the board. A whole lot of consultants have made a lot of money making good spin out of this, I'm sure. But ultimately, that's not what it's about. So what I want to try and do with this is centralize that lived experience, which is why the data system that sits behind the notifications process is critical. If millions of notifications are coming in each year saying, hey, this is like a terrible thing and I'm having these terrible experiences and we're putting these standards in place and nothing's happening, 
we're failing. We're absolutely failing. But if we're saying, hey, there's these millions of disabling experiences that come in, in the first two years about transportation or work or whatever that thing might be, and we can learn from them, and we can develop standards innovatively and quickly and say, hey, this is actually, is this working? Yes, the data's telling us it's working. We're getting all these notifications telling us how awesome it is. Great, let's learn from that. And let's then work in a new area. So having a data-driven system and a reporting system that's inbuilt will actually allow us to front-end that experience of people and back-end that experience of people, which will tell us if it's working. And this is why I think it needs to be outside of government because like we've all seen the uh, list of issues that goes off to the UN. It's where the government, the UN asks some questions of the government and says, hey, how, tell us what you're doing with all these things. The government's response is, yeah, we're doing great. But actually, if you scratch below the surface, we're not. And, and we have this repeated time and time again. And, and having these kind of bright, shiny reports of glossy pictures on the cover of smiling disabled people is really good for the models that actually get to do that. But for everyone else, it sort of gives us veneer of legitimacy to a broken system. And that's what we see time and time again. And the only way to overcome that, in my view, is with evidence. So just, if you have a data to, system... Yeah, just yep. to challenge you on that, I'm mindful of the shadow reporting process. So does the yep. shadow reporting process help to sort of keep things on a truthful level, shall we say? It, it does. That, and that's the whole point is that the, the question is, how are we doing? The government is, <laughs> oh, we're doing great. And then you've got to do all this work on shadow reporting to come up and hopefully bubble above the surface to show everyone it's not working. But, but in these kind of reporting processes and the reviewing processes that happen, um, often the government, if it's controlled by a government agency, often the, the noises that are coming out is it's great. And that's why I'm saying that evidence, data, people's lived experience feeding into this can tell us if it's working or if it's not. And this is kind of the critical thing is that, you know, should a group of people have to go and do all this um, work on um, shadow reporting to the UN every four years mm. to bring about change in an accessibility system? Or should we design a system that does that every day, every month, every year? and actually sort of measures in real time what's happening. And we can design that system now. Yeah. Awesome, Warren. I'm mindful of time. We're actually we're actually a little bit over time, but I've only just learned that some of the research you have done may have informed the Ministry for Disabled People. So just wondering if you can speak to us about work you've done in that area. Look, thanks, Jade. And... Um, I've got a report that's going to be coming out sometime soon um, based on some research I did that talks about how do you design uh, a universal, integrated, person-directed system to provide income support, social support, financial support, um, rehabilitation, healthcare in a single model. Because that's the ACC idea. Now, what we've done with the Ministry of Disabled People is we've taken support services, you know, funding for support out of health, and we've put it there. And that's great, great start, fantastic work. Mm. We now have an infrastructure, we've got a, a ministry that we can start adding all this other stuff into. But if we just leave it as providing social support model through, um, you know, enabling good lives, which is great, we do that nationwide, which is great, 
But until we integrate that with income support so that people can actually afford to live um, the best life that they can, until we integrate it with healthcare so that people can actually get the services and treatment they need, until we integrate it with training and actually pathways into work, you know, we can't have a ministry for disabled people that only does part of it. It won't work in the long run. It's not going to include mental health, doesn't include accident. All the discriminatory effects of the existing system cannot be overcome until we integrate. And we can't integrate until we as a country have a discussion about how we're going to organize it, how we're going to fund it, how we're going to make it sustainable in the long run, how are we actually going to realize these visions. And, and we can't realize a vision for a society without these disabling experiences until we're really serious about having a ministry or some other organization to actually do that. And so it's really good. It's a starting point. It gives us a framework to bolt on the rest of what we need for an integrated system. But the messages I'm getting from the government are we're not up for that yet. So it's a good step. But in the long run, it's not actually going to remove the discrimination that people experience based on cause of disability. Mm. Warren, I'm hearing that there's a long way yet to go. Yes, but we're starting. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to leave people on a negative note. We're starting this. There's a future. There's a direction of travel. And if we all work together, we can actually start bringing about change. Mm. But these structural decisions about how you organize the structures that will deliver this, those decisions need to be made now. And if we can't get everything we need now, we need to have a plan on how we get from where we are now over the next five to eight years to where we need to be. And that's the critical thing. Excellent. What we do now has to allow that evolution and transformation, not just of enabling good lives, but of all the other bits people need to live the best life they can without these negative disabling experiences. Excellent, Warren. It's been so great to have you on the show. Uh, just a couple more questions for you. How can people reach out to you? How can they get involved with any of the research that you're doing? Um, look, great question, Jade. I um, I don't practice as a barrister anymore in terms of helping individuals. Um, so so mainly now I do research and I, I run a <laughs> resolution system called Talk Me to Resolve. So I'm pretty hard to get hold of um, as an individual. <laughs> but what I, um, what I do, uh, what I will say is that as this research starts getting out there, what I'd encourage you to do is to read it, to share it, to talk about it. You know, and again, we're trying to help create um, a framework that will make a difference to everyone. And you guys get to decide, is, do you like it or do you not like it? Mm. And you know, I want this bit of what Warren is saying, I want this bit of what someone else is saying, I want this bit of this accessibility system that's designed, and I want this bit of what the government's saying. And together, these things, I think, will work for me. They're the conversations that people need to have with each other, mm. with government, with MPs, because ultimately we're going to have a limited window if we don't start doing this conversation and, and trying to shape this up in the next 12 months, then the foundation's going to be you know, built and it might be too late to really get this real wow. long-term change in place. Yeah. 
Uh, Warren, we've had 30 minutes of your time, and honestly, I feel like we've only just scratched the surface of, of this ginormous topic of accessibility in New Zealand. If you wouldn't mind, there is something we do on this show. We always have a question of the week, and, and would you be so kind to play along with the people at home and maybe answer it for us? I'll try. <laughs> so the question of the week this week, Warren, is what is a man? Wow. Ah, <laughs> uh, so that's quite an interesting linguistic question. Um, you can take it from a whole lot of different perspectives. Um, man in the law, um, we would now call person. Um, so uh, in some of the Nordic countries, um, man is, is, is wider than a gendered, um, you know, male or female. Um, here in Aotearoa, um, Tane have a, a particular role. Um, to me, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I'm a man. Um, I, I don't know what makes me a man. Um, perhaps it's, um, you know, my connection to humankind. Perhaps it's my connection to the past. Perhaps it's my connection to the future. Those things might make me a man. Um, but yeah, I, um, I think there's a, a very simple answer, but I think the simple answer is often wrong. Yeah. So I don't know if that's very helpful for you. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's a lot no. of different things that can make a man. Warren, you are a great sport playing along with the question of the week. Uh, Warren Forster, researcher and barrister. Thanks so much for joining the show this afternoon. Kia ora, Jade and Hannah. Thank you for having me. And I hope that, uh, People out there like to engage with these ideas because we certainly need a lot more of that over the next six to 12 months. Thanks so much, Warren. We'll see you again. Matewa. Wasn't that amazing? He's a, he's a fantastic bloke. Absolutely amazing. Thanks to Awesome Autistic for responding during the interview. Much of what you say we absolutely agree with i'll just read it out before we move into final thoughts awesome autistic says warren touches on work that still needs doing acc reforms uh income and attitudes but at least oh, trust my thing to play up but at least we're starting somewhere but i think he's right we need a plan for the next five to ten years the announcements have to be just the beginning. Love it. Simon, what yeah. what are your key takeaways um, from that interview? I'd love to hear from you in particular. Yeah, there was a few things that really stood out. I mean, I, I, through through work, I've heard of his name, I've heard of his work, and, and um, the company that I'm involved in has, has, has worked with him in the past. So... I've heard of Warren, but haven't had a chance to meet with him in person or even ever hear him speak. And my gosh, he's got a great, great way at articulating, um, you know, the, the area of expertise that he clearly has. And behind that expertise, you can see, I mean, I feel like I'm a pretty good judge of character here, but he seems like a very genuine fellow who, through whatever reason, has got a passion for transforming the way disability is managed in New Zealand. Mm. And I do believe he's 
calls himself an ally of disabled people. So I, I guess I can quite relate to some to him on a few different levels as somebody who's got some characteristics and some traits to aspire to. I mean, some of the things he was saying about like, um, uh, you know, for the accessibility standards, you know, let's start now, let's start with just building in some of those unenforceable standards, but just to get a so just to socialize the precedent, just mm. to socialize the new bar, like you don't have to immediately come out and say, hey, these are only going to be, um, you know, uh, optional for so long at the first thing you just you announce them, you socialize them, you talk about them, and then you say, oh, hey, by the way, you know, eventually, you're going to have to start meeting yeah. these, or you're going to, you're going to just not be included in, um, in, in, in the market. Um, and yeah, I think that's just like, a great way to build momentum, you can tell a lot of the things he was talking about is about building momentum, starting early, um, getting things out of the way, front instead of spending so long planning to, to then implement everything on one day it's quite clear that this announcement um in warren's eyes uh gives us the green light to just put things in place and start building on top of it um you know from day one almost what else did he talk about like he was yeah. a little bit critical of the governance settings he, he was mm. he, he was hoping i really like that he was hoping for a bit more of a formal, like, uh, oversight structure, and that, and that wasn't set out in the announcements on Friday. Yeah, I just picked up on that. Yes. Yeah, so... I mean, when he said, you know, we'd much prefer something like WorkSafe, uh, yeah, when he... Oh, sorry, is my connection degrading? A little. I, I wondered why there was a bit of a gap. Yeah, because there's a bit of a delay. Yeah, there is a bit of a delay coming in. Um, so I'll just leave it with you, Jade. Um, I was just going to say what I really like from Warren is, you know, yeah, I could see government and whatnot then getting caught up and then us seeing 15 years later and we've, as you said, only got five standards and... In, in 15 five, years in or 15 something years, like that. So mm. start <laughs> and then figure out what works, what doesn't work. And um, enforce them all at once. And accessibility-wise. And he's like, well, enforce 40 all at once then. Um, and I, I like that idea. I think we're just going to... And then I think what he was really saying by the governance... And how I perceived it, but didn't get a chance to actually ask him is, um, should it be an end-to-end? I thought it's great having uh, accessibility governance, but should it be a end also actually having a disputes, um, you know, oversight? No, I'm totally with Warren about the need for formal oversight. The thing that he sort of touched on but didn't really go into, I don't know if you picked up on this, Simon, how, like, things can get watered down. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because of the political appetite and where, where he was wanting formal, independent oversight day one. So... So there was no possibility at all of politicizing accessibility and, and twisting what is palatable at the time. Sorry, sorry, I talked over you. Sorry, I said, how's my audio? Is there a delay still? 
No, you're good. We're hearing you now. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure if it came through last, but yeah, when he talked about um, you know implementing something like WorkSafe for disability, that clicked like a light bulb straight away. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes so much sense. You know, there needs to be an independent body of some sort that holds it to account because, yeah, like you said, we've had ministers in positions um, who could enforce. Um, or who could ask, you know, very nicely for things to be removed, <laughs> you know, for barriers to be removed. So he said, you know, there's there's the avenue for these things to happen now. So why wouldn't it be any? Why would it be any different? Um, yeah. So I think I'm I'm with the same camp as you, Jade. Yeah, it needs to be separate. It needs to be independent. It needs to be somebody's job to hold the government to account. Mm. And can I just say when I say end mm. end. What I was actually meaning is, I'm for you completely. I, I had a full light bulb moment when Warren yep. said what he did. But when I say, and, and um, I think having a governance structure within the Ministry for Disability, disabled people then being able to report back to the community and actually uh, have oversight yeah. of the, what's okay. going inside the actual ministry that yep. they're actually doing the job. So you're you're talking about the actual uh, centralized reporting component. Uh, yeah, I, I think we can take away, and this is not formal advice, but we can take away from what we've been able to read that because everything is going to be underpinned by enabling good lives, that we can absolutely expect um, that disabled people in Fano will will be in leadership and governance roles in the next phase of change i'm really excited but to 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 use a word that to use a bunch of words that i've been saying all day i'm mindful of time so we might move into final thoughts (laughs) now if that's all right with you simon simon just got a little bit looks like my connection's taken a dive so maybe it's by level out yeah so um we might just head into final thoughts then see if simon comes back hannah is there anything you want to say to uh to sign off i'm just really excited um as you know warren said it's gonna be a really important six to twelve months initially and from there overall i really look forward to hearing and receiving messages from everyone on what change they want and mm. it's not just about what the government's going to announce we really need to highlight it now we need to step up it's exciting i really see i just say thank you simon for being such you're a great ally and i look forward to seeing yep. um yeah how you can work towards a new future <laughs> and i um when i say new future It'll be interesting to see how some transformation will affect um, affect everybody in the way we yeah. move forward. So it's exciting. Exciting yeah. times and look forward to it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, and for me, I just want to thank everybody that um, uh, viewed the show here this evening or later on on YouTube. And on Odyssey, we really appreciate you coming out and uh, being part of these conversations. Just want to highlight... Uh, that BIM Lounge and Awesome Autistic both got gifted subs. 
here this evening. So thank you for being a part of the Ferrofamilia. Um, Warren did also indicate that he actually DM'd me like a few minutes after the recording to say he would be absolutely like over the moon to be able to come back. So I indicated to him that there is no chance we wouldn't have him back. So, so yeah. stay tuned for when that happens as the as the legislation gets into the detailed work. But Simon, anything you'd like to say to round off? Yeah, I mean, thank you, Jade, for organising Warren to come on. Um, like, yeah, I, I knew he would add some value, but you know, it's just quite clear that he's got much <laughs> more of an in-depth understanding of what you know the government has announced um, than we have just for the time being. So. And the way he can explain it, like, you know, using layman's terms uh, to, to, to get it, the information across. So, he, I mean, even if you just clipped his interview and posted it separately, I think people would probably find that one of the most helpful, if not the most helpful resource to kind of go into what this legislation um, and all what this announcement, sorry, is all about. But to my thoughts is quite selfishly, I feel really hopeful because it makes my place in the disability sector much more clearer in my mind, closer to the closer to what my ideal um, role in the in the in the in the sector would be, um, and 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 creates a better uh, scenario for better outcomes for disabled people, which is the primary. Um, thing there but you know just if i were to reflect on how it relate how the you know, announcement and the future relates to me yeah i see it as just a massive positive and like i'm just so keen to 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 push it forward you know like i am um, uh, i work for a service provider currently that is um constantly coming up against the um the guidelines and the and the rules that are set in place currently and to and to have a system where that's not an issue and the the opposite is commonplace where rules disappear quickly because of issues identified like i mean that would be um you know a dream you know that self-reporting i could imagine where enough people uh report into the system saying this specific process that i'm required to go through to access something or to do something isn't working for me or you know just needs to be removed and made much more streamlined then the process for making that happen happens much faster. You know, you don't get sent between different ministries and they everyone gives you the, oh, it's just the law, you know, it's tough to change, you know, it's just what we've, it's the, it's the realm we've got to work within. You know, I'm just, I'm so sick of hearing that shit and I just cannot wait mm. to hear the, to, to like hear the end of it. Well, I, uh, just I I know I've already gone, but I'll d just say to finish off that I'm really excited to see the opportunity that will exist for the Ministry of Disabled People draft name, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, it'll be very much about enabling good lives in the initial stages, but my hope is that it encompasses uh, creating a much more universal experience for all New Zealanders, regardless of their ability or background. 
Uh, with that, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to acknowledge uh, Warren Forster for making the time available to be on the show this evening. He is a very busy man at the best of times. I want to acknowledge everybody that's been along in the chat, participated, and added value to this episode. But thank for you. now, thank you for being a part of the channel. Thank you for being a part of the journey. Please stay awesome. And Simon? We'll see you all in the next one. Bam.